You are now listening to Like a Local Podcast, the podcast that allows you to trip without falling into tourist traps. Think of your next destination, then having a local share of the best places to stay, eat, drink, and what to do. Time is money, and these ladies are saving you time and preventing you from looking like a tourist. Here are your hosts, Katie Hilton and Stephanie Gerard. Good afternoon, Stephanie. Good afternoon. Hello, hello, hello. Happy almost travel Tuesday. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been such a beautiful day. I worked up a sweat. I took out the majority of my plants today and I was sweating. It was really hot. Working on that fitness. Um, You will not catch me outside until the pollen passes. So yeah, you need to take some Benadryl. You take some Benadryl. All right. Well, everyone, welcome back or welcome to Like a Local Podcast, the podcast that allows you to trip without falling into those tourist traps. I am Stephanie Gerard. I'm Katie Hilton. And we are your hosts. All right. Let's get into today's episode. So last week we had a fun little Mad Lib activity and made me question your my adjective. grammar. Yeah. My <laughs> adjective game. It was weak, but I found a fun one for you to do really quickly before we get into this week's episode. So I hope you brushed up on your adjectives and your nouns and your verbs. I read the dictionary over the weekend, so <laughs> I was born ready. <laughs> okay. Ready? Adjective. Hot. <laughs> Noun, but it has to be a vehicle. I was I was literally about to say a car. What what kind of car? A Jetta. Be- oh, Cute. Jetta. <laughs> noun number. What's a noun number? A number. What's a number? Eight. Noun. A bush. Plural noun. <laughs> people. Women. Verb. Hula hooping. Did you say that last week? No, I didn't. Hula hooping. I don't know why that's on my brain. I just looked outside and that's what came to me. Cute. There's there's nobody outside with a hula hoop. Okay. I can see. (laughs) Let's see. Noun food. Hot dog. Noun. (laughs) (laughs) Another one. Noun food. A swirled sundae. Adjective. Green. Technically swirled is an adjective, but it's okay. Um, And then noun food. An old salad. So I don't know if you knew that, but um, old and swirled, those are adjectives. So just do the noun. So I can't, you can't include that? No, just do a noun. An okay. old salad, old oh my gosh. is an adjective for salad. I know, but does it just mess up the do sentence? You know? I do know that, <laughs> but I can, okay, I'll do old salad. You'll win. No, no, no. I can do something else. No, no. I don't Walnut. Know. I'm not going to fight about <laughs> I'm not going to fight about this. It feels like we're already fighting about it. <laughs> okay. Walnut. All right. Adjective. S- sloppy. Is that an adjective? Yeah, that's a good one. Drink. Mr. Pib. <laughs> All right. Verb. Gardening. Verb. Driving. Adjective. Or drive. Mesh. Mesh? Yeah. Mesh? A mesh. Like a mesh book bag. Okay. I like that. Does that work? Noun? Does that work for that? <laughs> sure. Noun. A nail file. Adjective. Windy. That's not that's not an adjective. Sure it is. I don't think it is. It most certainly is. Maybe a wind- it's a maybe it's a a windy day. Anything that describes okay, something. Sure. So let's go I know, back. that's first grade. Thinking. Okay. But then I was thinking, oh, is it an adverb? 
But an adverb usually ends with L-Y. That's getting a little too advanced for me. Um, is I Wendy your final answer? Could have made that up. Was Wendy. Okay. And then verb that ends in I-N-G. Sleeping. All right. And let's lock in those answers and now read. <clears throat> a family road trip. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> Hopefully. A family road trip. This summer, my family is taking a hot trip in our Jetta. We are driving eight miles to visit our woman in the state of Bush. My parents are hula hooping. <laughs> my parents are hula hooping. Lots of snacks like hot dogs, swirled sundaes, and my favorite green walnuts with sloppy <laughs> Mr. Pib. We also mow games to play in the Jetta, like gardening the fern and driving. Oh my God, this makes no sense. Like gardening the fern and driving like a mesh nail filer. It's a windy drive, but we have fun sleeping together on vacation. All right. So zero, out of, we're, we're zero for two. I think I'm going to hang up. Well, the no, we know. Yeah. We know not, we're not going to do that again. Yeah. Lesson learned. We won't have any of that, any more of that. So listeners don't, don't worry. Do you know where I was? Wish I was road tripping though, right now, New York, New York, New York. But for now, we're just going to have to listen to this week's episode because we have another New York City local lowdown for you guys. Today, we are joined by Chelsea Martin, founder of Passport to Friday, a luxury travel agency. While studying abroad in college in Florence, Italy, she instantly knew that she had to turn her passion of traveling into her career. She began by managing corporate meetings and incentive travel and was traveling over 250 days per year. Well, I'd miss my bet, I think. In 2019, Chelsea was nominated for the Most Innovative Advisor Award at Virtuoso Travel Week, and she's also achieved Marriott International Luxury Brands Stars Celestial Club, making her one of the well, top. That's a tongue twister. I know. I was like, wait, do I keep talking? Making her one of the top Mylux advisors in the country, which is Marriott's international luxury brands. With travel opening up slowly, her business has been booming after being trapped in our homes for nearly a year. We're so lucky to have had the opportunity to get some of her time and interview her for her recommendations for where to stay, eat, drink, and what to do all over New York City because it never gets old. But without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. All right. Okay, everyone, we are so excited for today's interview, not only because we are back in our favorite place, New York City, but also because we are talking to basically a professional traveler, Chelsea Martin. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Before we get into the local lowdown of New York City, we'd love for you to introduce yourself and give the lowdown on who you are and what Passport to Friday is. Yeah, thank you all so much for having me. So my name is Chelsea Martin, and I'm from San Diego originally. And then I was living in Austin, Texas for about five years, which is where I started Passport to Friday, and then moved to New York City about almost a year and a half ago. So I was traveling about 250 days a year for work straight out of college. And that's back when I was doing just different like meeting planning, consulting, um, on-site event work, stuff like that. And I started a blog as just, I needed like some kind of creative outlet as I was traveling so much. And from there, that kind of just transitioned into me doing luxury travel advising for the leisure 
market. So basically, essentially a travel agent just with a little fancier title because I do focus on the luxury market. And that's where Passport to Friday really started. So basically a boutique luxury travel agency. And I recently started a social media business that's geared towards travel advisors as well. How long have you um, had your business or owned your business? Um, Four and a half, almost five years. So impressive. So cool. And where is the most lavish place you've ever visited? Oh my gosh. Well, it's funny too, because all the time I get the question, what's your favorite hotel? And I'm like, that's such a loaded question because there's just so many factors that go into things. I will say the best trip I've ever been on, which I think would kind of fall into that category as well, is I did a safari with Singita in Tanzania, and then we did gorilla trekking in Rwanda afterwards. And Singita properties are just, I can't even describe how amazing they are just from obviously a luxury standpoint, but just how much they give back to the community, how much they put attention to detail into everything they do. And then obviously being on safari and gorilla trekking and all that is just a life-changing experience. That's so cool. What kind of animals did you see outside of the the gorillas? We saw the big five, um, which I should know what the big five are, but um, I've never even heard of that term. (laughs) (laughs) We saw elephants, um, giraffe, lions, a ton of like gazelles. Um, we saw a, what's it called? A leopard, which was the coolest thing sitting up in the tree. We saw, oh, um, what's it called? Hippos, which was interesting because they're actually very interesting creatures and kind of mean, but my friend who went to Africa during college, they were on a boat and they had a hippo chasing them. Oh my God. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. They're kind of, they're crazy animals. They like kill, I, I could be making this up, but they like kill more humans than like lions or, or, or something. It's something crazy. Yeah. Um, but wow. I think like going on a safari is like my number one on my bucket list. Only thing I'm afraid of is like, what if a lion kills a gazelle in front of me? Sounds like it would be just tragic. Like I would, my trip would be ruined. So backstory, um, Chelsea, Katie is the biggest animal person you'll (laughs) ever meet in your life. Like big animal person. So yeah, I could see that being at the top of your Well, so it's interesting because I'm a huge animal person as well. And people prepped me going to Africa. They're like, honestly, you're probably going to see some kind of killing, which Ironically, I didn't, but besides the point, they're like, you're going to see some kind of killing probably. And you just, when you're in Africa, you just really experience, you know, the circle of life and you see the beauty behind why it's happening and how it really just everything's so connected there. And it's all just very natural. And it's not like, it's not out of menace or anything. It's purely for them to survive and how it all, you know, how it all comes together. So I didn't see it, but, um, it, it does happen a lot. <laughs> kind of related. Have you ever watched the s- biggest little farm? No, I think that you would, if, if you like appreciate like the circle of life, I think you would love this. It's a documentary about this couple who bought a farm in California and they had like hundreds of acres and they ended up like getting like chickens and then 
you know, something was killing the chicken. So then they got like, you know, those white, those big white dogs. And then something was like eating all of their peach trees and they needed to get like ducks to go because, and it was like, it's like a full circle thing. Yeah. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I was so afraid to watch it because I just don't like, you know, sad animal movies um, or documentaries, but it was so beautiful. I cried. Um, highly recommend it. I'll watch it. And they have like, they have like a pet chicken who like hangs out with the pigs because it was a new chicken. And like, he wouldn't like other chickens, like wouldn't accept him. It was just, it was very eye opening and a great little documentary. And Stephanie is just laughing at me. (laughs) So Katie loves animals. I am working on it. I don't, I don't have it. A single heart string towards animals, but that's okay. I'm working on it. Um, as much as I enjoy talking about animals, yeah, it's time to move <laughs> on into the local lowdown of New York City. So, Katie, I'll let you take it. Yeah, so <clears throat> we love New York City. Obviously, there are a million places to stay, and it's definitely daunting when you go and you're like, where do I want to stay? What neighborhood do I want to stay in? So do you have a preference on neighborhoods? I know that you said you live in West Village. Um, and do you prefer Airbnbs? What kind of hotels do you like? Yeah. So it's interesting because before I moved to New York, my friends who were from here, they'd always be like, oh, make sure you get a hotel room in like lower Manhattan, which is basically just anything below 14th street. And I was like, no, but like the luxury hotels aren't there. Like, and that's what I specialize in. I'm like, I could get us, you know, discounted rates if we go stay up by Central Park. But now that I live here, I completely understand why they said that. It's just like, especially from, if you're wanting to come and really feel like you're like a part of the city and like living in the city in a way, I just love lower Manhattan. So I'm a hotel person, just nature of my job. We Also, we can book some rentals, but we don't book Airbnbs per se, unless they're vetted. Um, Just too many horror stories, even though I've stayed in plenty myself, especially in Europe. But um, my two favorite hotels, well, I have a few, I have quite a few, but um, I love the Greenwich Hotel, which is in Tribeca. It's just like the design is amazing. There's an exclusive, exclusivity to it, like I went there for a breakfast the other day and like the Kardashians were staying there, but you wouldn't even know because everything's very like secretive and there's spots that only the hotel guests can stay in or eat in and whatnot. And I just love it. And then I love Crosby street hotel, which is in Soho and that's, it's a Firmdale hotel, which is a brand that's from London. And so Kit Kemp, she designs all the hotels. They're just like fun design. Um, Love the location great place to hang out and have a drink as well. And then I like the Beekman, which is down in financial district, because again, from a design perspective, the history behind the hotel, the lobby bar, all that. And then like, if my parents are coming to town, I put them at the New York edition because it's kind of central. It's like near Madison square park. So it's not super far up there. So they're still close and like could technically walk to my apartment, but it's still just like such a fun, sexy vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. Some great views from some of the rooms. Which would be the best for a girl's like weekend? Crosby Street Hotel, probably, or the Greenwich. But 
the thing that's cool about Crosby Street, it's smack dab in the middle of Soho, but it's on like a quiet little like kind of off street. So it's not super loud right there. And then the designs, it's just like fun, bright colors, but just very tastefully done. Mm -hmm. And what are the price ranges we're looking at for these? They're all pretty expensive. Yeah. (laughs) I had um, a feeling. (laughs) I'd say it, it depends when you're coming to stay. Like sometimes I've seen the Beekman for as low as like 300 a night, sometimes even lower. Um, sometimes they have free night deals. Greenwich is pretty much always going to be over 600. I'd say similar to Crosby street kind of depends. New York Editions currently closed. Um, hopefully they'll reopen soon, but that, I mean, same, you could, I think my parents stayed there for like five nights for like a total of, I don't know, $1,500 or two grand or something. It wasn't that crazy. Okay. Yeah. And you being the travel expert that you are, do you have any like tips or tricks on how to get an upgrade once you get to the hotel? Um, not to do a shameless plug, but use a travel advisor because when my clients are going to check into a hotel, usually a few days prior, I'll email the, well, first when I make the reservation, I'll send all this, but a few days prior, I'll check in with the hotel, remind them, Hey, this is my clients coming to check in. They're celebrating such and such. These are their favorite things. Here's their dietary restrictions, everything. Can we like push them up to the top of the list for that upgrade? And sometimes they confirm it even like a few days prior or just, I mean, if you do book on your own, I would say really talk about you celebrating something. Um, If you have status with a hotel brand, that always helps. Okay. Good to know. All right. Now that we have a pillow for our head, let's move into our favorite segment, where to eat. So Chelsea, what are your top three to four restaurants in New York city? So one thing I love about New York is the Italian food is insanely good. And coming from Austin, we have a couple decent Italian places there, but it just like was not the type of food that you went out to eat. Um, so pretty much all my favorites here are Italian. So I love Tuzi, which is just like, it's kind of a quintessential New York Italian restaurant in West Village. And it's very hard to get into, but I went on a Tuesday night, put my name down eight at 9 PM with a friend at the bar, but it's like one of my favorite experiences I've had. The pasta is insane. And they also have a sister restaurant called E Sodi. I think that's how you say it. And it's, um, the, owner or the person that started Lertuzzi, like kind of like an ode to her. So it's very similar, but a little different. Like I think more focused on things that she loves and whatnot, but. Is that authentic Italian or is it like, like Italian with a twist or. I'd say it's a mix. Like it's authentic, but there are definitely dishes that are a little bit more innovative, but you can get like a really good bucatini with red sauce that tastes authentic like all the pastas are handmade it's it's definitely it's not like your hole in the wall mom pop but it's also not like they're adding foie gras to everything and making it all crazy um and then I love Estella and part of the reason I love Estella is it was two blocks from my first apartment in New York and it's just like super understated but it's a Michelin star restaurant 
everything, it's just like a cozy vibe, small shareable plates, but everything is just done so well. And it's just not pretentious, especially for being a Michelin star restaurant. And everyone I've sent there has loved it. And they have a sister restaurant called Ultra Paradiso, which is more of their like pasta. Estella's more just small plates, like everything, like, or not everything, but you know, like it's not Italian, but there is going to be a pasta dish on there. And there's going to be like good seafood and stuff like that. But Ultra Paradiso is their like Italian pasta, everything type place. How often would you recommend looking for a reservation at the Michelin star restaurant? Estella, I've actually, every time I've eaten there, I've gotten in day of, um, things are just so different now with COVID with just is kind of a toss up at restaurants where there could be a restaurant that used to have, I don't know, 50 seats and now they can only sit outside. So they have 10 or there's places like Bouvette in West Village, which had probably like 10 seats before. And now they have like a hundred or 50 or so because they're able to take over the entire sidewalk. So it's kind of, it's hard. I mean, I've even, when my parents were staying at the New York edition, I had concierge try to get all these certain reservations at places like Four Child's Prime Rib, Lartuzzi, a few other places. And they sat on the computer at midnight concierge and like they couldn't get it and it, so like concierge at a luxury hotel can't even get in so it's a toss-up <laughs> cutthroat yeah um but I don't know I love I love a lot of Italian places like Don Angie's really good in the West Village they're known for this like lasagna for two dish and they just have fun cocktails every dish there's just honestly amazing. And then I love Anton's, which is kind of a newer restaurant. It opened probably just a few months before the pandemic, but that's on Hudson Street in West Village. And that's just like, I'd say that's more like classic Italian, but just kind of elevated. It's in a historic little space and they just I feel like it was like the kind of stuff that my parents, they wanted everything on the menu, whereas other kind of trendier places, they wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of Italian food, Little Italy, I feel like that's definitely on the top of all the tourist traps. Would you recommend anywhere there or should we just like stay away from there? I don't, I mean, I probably wouldn't really recommend anywhere that's right on that like Mulberry Street um, block. But at the same time, I think it's an experience. Like I had an amazing experience back when I was like 20 years old, I took myself to lunch there and it was just like, it feel it's, you know, the food's not going to be necessarily the best, but especially now they've shut down all of Mulberry street. So the cars can't go. And it's just like a fun experience to be eating outside there. And you just go into it knowing it's probably not going to be amazing food. It's going to be a little overpriced, but it's like, you're in little Italy. It's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Not to put pressure on this, but what about the bakeries? In little Italy or all over? Specifically in little Italy. So I, I'm not like a huge bakery dessert person, but my best friend Kayla is, and she's obsessed with, I think it's Ferrero's Ferrara. I don't know. Every time I pass, I take a photo and send it to her, but it's right on grand. It's like grand and mulberry. Um, 
and they are known for their cannolis or maybe she just knows it for the cannolis but I will say it's a damn good cannoli like comparable to Italy so there's always a lot of people in there and I'd say it's a pop in place that's the one I was I didn't want to say it, but I was like, I wonder if she's going to say that because my dad always not, he doesn't come here. He he doesn't go to New York (laughs) often, but he's always, when I tell him I go, he's like, go to Ferreira's because we went, I was like seventh grade. Um, We went to New York. And so he's, that's what he always thinks of when he thinks of New York. And I think that's how Kayla is too, because she went with her mom and her mom was like, we have to go here. And so now it's like a memory thing for her, but I'd say it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you traveled abroad in Florence, correct? Yes. Are any of the restaurants that you mentioned, like how, what one is closest to Florence, the food in Florence? I'd say food slash experience wise, um, there's a restaurant called Malatesta and I, I went there actually for the first time, probably just about a month ago but I loved it for a few reasons because one, it's just very casual. And like you sit down, I feel like it was like a handwritten um, menu. It felt like it feels like an old, like Italian trattoria, like we would eat at in Florence. And the food was just like, it's probably more of what you would consider the authentic, like basic staples. Like you're going to get like your bolognese, your pesto, your cacio e pepe, stuff like that. And it's well-priced. Like we, I went with two girlfriends and we shared a few pasta dishes and got like a bottle of wine and we spent like 30 bucks, which in New York is nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, that was like, and I went with a friend that we studied abroad in Florence together and we were both like, this just reminds us of Florence. So I'd say that's the most authentic feeling. What, what are your thoughts on, um, what are your thoughts on Carmine's? I've never been there. Isn't it like the one that there's one in Broadway, there's one in Times Square, and then there's a couple, there's like three or four other locations? Maybe. Or I, I think like I've heard of it, but. Wait, what is Carmine's? It's an Italian restaurant. Um, oh. And I feel like it's pretty touristy. I mean, there's one in Times Square. So it's like calling for people to come like before or after shows. But I've been there like once or twice and I've been there twice and I thought it was really good, but I just wanted to know from like a New Yorker's perspective, is it touristy? Is it actually good? Um, I will say not that anyone's asking me. Um, it's a really fun experience. Um, and my friend and I went a couple of years ago and we had to sit at the bar because I made a reservation at the wrong location. And, um, we ended up sitting to this Jewish mother and she was talking about her daughter and how she doesn't talk to her anymore. She told us all of the tea. Like she told us everything that was going on in her life. Um, and then she was like, all right, girls, sorry about that. Um, anyways, but you've never been. (laughs) No. So there's this restaurant that's up like, you know, a little in the theater district, like slightly above, like closer to central park, but it's called. I think it's called Cafe dell'arte and my friend who grew up in New York and lives here still he took us there and like he comes from like a big Jewish family 
And it was just, it's funny. Cause it's like from the front, like I would have, I would never walk in there on my own, but we went in and it was so much fun. Cause it was the whole, like, Oh my gosh, welcome. And like, just buzzing with people. Like you could tell it's just like the spot that everyone who like grew up there, or even some tourists, whatnot went there and it was so much fun and the food was good. So uh, yeah, Carmine's is one that's like always, always packed, but I left a ring in their restroom once and I went back and they had it at the stand, like they had it at the hostess stand. So that's oh, like, that for you. that's very nice of like, yeah. I like they have really good customer service. One more food related question for me. I've asked every <laughs> New Yorker this, what are your thoughts on Levain cookies? I've only had it once and okay. it was actually my birthday this past July. My friends like got me a box and we were already out. Like we went to a couple restaurants. And so like we, we started eating them at like midnight after we'd had <laughs> quite a few drinks. So, you know, I obviously thought they were great, but, yeah. um, and then I had it for breakfast the next morning, actually. Oh, I love that for you. I feel like, um, I, I feel like they were good. Um, okay. but I, I, it wasn't like some like mind blowing experience, but I feel like they were, they were pretty good. They got me like a few different, like one with nuts, one that's original. That was decent. Okay. Good to know. Why are you a lover or a hater? No, I, I've never, I've never had them before and I see them on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, these look so good. So I just asked. I think it's definitely me. worth a try, Yeah, it, it, but it's not the kind of thing that I would be like, I come home from every trip and I'm like, I need a Levain cookie. <laughs> yeah. Wait, speaking of cookies. Okay. I was on hinge, not to derail, but I was on hinge <laughs> and you know how they have like prompts where you like answer. Yeah. Okay. So this kid was like weirdest gift I've ever received. And his was 300 insomnia cookies delivered oh my to my gosh. door. How amazing does that sound? That sounds incredible. That's crazy. Know. He was like, I don't know who sent them. Like, that's amazing. Did you obviously, what is it? Do you swipe? Did you get him? I did <laughs> not. I did not. If he still had the cookies, maybe, but it seemed like it was like a while ago. Yeah. So yeah. But um, just a little fun fact on a fun hinge find. Not it. that for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you have any brunch spots? We can a, move on if not. It's kind of funny. I actually have a bunch that are on my list, but I feel like none of my friends brunch. And I'm like, I, I work a lot on the weekends, so I usually can't get around to it. Um, I really want to go to Cafe Clooney in West Village because it's like on the corner, super cute location, and it's French food. Um, other than that, like I, I go to if I'm just like going meeting friends casual, I go to Rosemary's or Rowie's, which have kind of just become my like neighborhood staples. They're pretty close to my apartment and they're kind of just like my go-to for everything. Cool. So that was the perfect where to eat for me because Italian food's my favorite. So we're full, we're moving on to drinks. So where do you recommend for like pre-dinner drinks, post-dinner day drinking? What are your favorite places to go grab a cocktail or a glass of wine? Or beer, if you want beer. <laughs> um, I have a few. So I'd say my favorite place is Dante. And they opened a new location, Dante West Village on Hudson. And it's just like, it's actually, I think it was Esquire's number one bar in the world, like one or two years in a row. They just have an amazing cocktail program. The original location in Greenwich Village is known for the Negronis. And then 
their West Village location has a little bit more of a focus on martinis, but like all different types of drinks. And I just love the vibes. I love the cocktails. I love their branding. They have like the prettiest coasters that you can take home with you. Um, I just, I love everything about Dante. Otherwise, I mean, I go to, like, I love Soho House. It's close to where I live. It's an easy place to start. And it's always just like a decent scene. Um, Trying to think. I love like a hotel lobby bar. That's kind of my jam, which it's sad we can't experience them right now. But I would say starting a night at either the Beekman lobby bar or even actually Crosby Street Hotel would be a good place for brunch as well. Maybe not as much before going out, but there I loved New York edition lobby bar. Um, I don't know. The thing I love about West Village is there's like all these very cute places. And now because of the pandemic, not so much in winter, but in normal, like when the weather gets better, they've been able to shut off the streets and like add all this outdoor dining. So honestly, just walking up and down either like West Forth or Hudson Street, there's so many places like you could stop anywhere and it's going to just be like a fun, like ambiance, people watching everything. What's your cocktail of choice? So (laughs) I have this drink from living in Austin called a Mexican martini and no one knows what it is really. So like, I always try to explain it. Usually I just get like, I would get like either a margarita or a like dirty gin martini. But um, when I was in Aspen this past summer, I told the, the server like how to make it. And he told the bartender, the bartender came over and she was like, this is the best drink I've ever made. I want to add it to the menu. And she was like, it's just funny. Like it is like complicated. Like there's it's not that complicated, but there's just like quite a few ingredients. And so for my birthday, my friend got me like these little business cards that have the recipe on it. So I can just be like, can you make this? Oh, that's Uh, such a good idea. So I've used it a few times and every single time I've used the card, the bartender's like, this drink is so good, but it's basically a martini, but then you just like cut some of the sugar out. You add a little bit of olive juice and then you shake it in a martini glass. And my biggest thing is I'm huge on glassware. So any drink I get, like, I don't care if it's a margarita or like a daiquiri or a martini or what, like it needs to be in a martini or a coupe glass. You're going to have to screenshot the business card with the recipe and send it to us. So we can start drinking it. I will. Did you recently post it on your Instagram feed or something? Because no joke, in the last month I've seen somebody who's from Austin, like put this particular drink and like everybody in Austin knows, but then they, they like said on their stories or feed or whatever, they said, nobody else knows what it is. So was it you? Did I probably me? Okay. <laughs> well, cause I even that. like, I was just at Rosewood Mayakoba and they have a new bar there that, um, they, it's a really cool concept. That's originally from Mexico city that they brought in, um, their cocktail program and whatnot. And so they like, I showed them the card and they tried it and they're like, this is so good. We want to put it on our menu. So I'm like, literally just Google it. Like I've during quarantine, when I was quarantined with my parents in San Diego, we like perfected the recipe. Cause if you Google it, sometimes they'll be like, put Sprite or like all the simple syrup. Like and I'm like, no. it was you. It yeah. was you. Okay. Not the bad stuff. It's such a good recipe. 
You need to, when these, when these restaurants start picking it up, you need to be like, what's my royalty? Like, do I get a royalty? Oh my gosh. Yeah. As long as I have a seat at their bar and free Mexican martinis for life. Yeah. Um, but all right, now that we are full from all the pasta and a little tipsy from these mezcal martinis, our next segment is things to do. So what are some activities or attractions you'd recommend someone to do while they're in New York city? Honestly, walk. Like I, I do a thing personally in when the weather's good, at least, um, every Sunday I'll walk like about 10 miles and there's just so much you can see while you walk. And I think like, obviously there's all the touristy things you can do. And I do think everyone should do the main sites once while they're in New York, but I feel like it's just the best way to get to know a city is walking around. Like even when I was just in Charleston, we walked 10 miles one day and I feel like I didn't have a grasp of how all the neighborhoods worked and like connected and the different feels of them until we did that. So I think just honestly, like I, one thing I love to do myself is there's a podcast called the Bowery boys and they talk about different historical things that have happened in New York city. So sometimes if I'm just like, gonna go be in Soho I'll look for a episode that has to do with Soho and I'll walk around Soho while I'm listening to that and it's just I've learned so much about the city while doing that but also it's just like while you're walking and like I was listening to this episode once about West Village and they like said the address of this woman who like saved West Village Jane Jacobs and then I like walked past her apartment as I was listening so it's just like a cool way to like learn while you're seeing yeah, that's an amazing idea. Love that. What are your um, favorite walking shoes? <laughs> <laughs> um, I probably should get better ones. I just wear my Nikes, but I will say after like seven miles, my feet are killing me, but. Okay. Still. I don't want to forget to ask this. So this is why I'm asking this now. What is your favorite suitcase? So I have, it depends. I, when I lived in Austin, I like always checked bags because I was usually having to stack a lot of trips and like go multiple places because flying anywhere was so complicated. Um, so I have a bricks, which is like a big as like my big checked bag. And I actually got that at Costco.com. It's like a $650 bag, got it for $250. So just oh wow, stock Costco.com. Cause it just randomly comes available, but it's been through a lot and it's, going strong. So durable that, but then like my, when I'm flying with a carry on, I've had quite a few different ones. And right now I just have the away bigger carry on and I love it because it's super durable so far. And it, I feel like it just fits the most. Like I had a bricks small carry on and it just like barely fit anything. Same with like a travel pro, but I just feel like it out of everything it, like I could actually fit two weeks in there if I needed to. Hmm. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask, are we team away? Like what team are we on? Um, did you see that Yeti just released like a luggage line? No. Yeah. They're in the suitcase game now. First thoughts. Wouldn't you think that they would be shells, like shelled suitcases? They're They're not. not. They're like backpacks. Interesting. Fabric. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, Well, I guess because they're known for those like fabric, um, coolers too. I don't know. Yeah. All my Texans, they have them. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but all right, back to the local lowdown. Any other activities you would recommend someone to do? 
Um, I mean, go to Central Park. I don't think it's like, that's an overrated thing at all. Like it's somewhere that I would go myself every weekend if I could. Um, I think it's also worth it to head across the bridge and go to Brooklyn, especially like Williamsburg area is really cool. It's definitely probably become almost too cool in some ways. Like it's definitely starting to get a little bit overbuilt, but one thing I love about being over there as well as down in Dumbo is if you go to any rooftop or anything, you just have like the most insane views of the city. So it's just fun to get like a different perspective of the city. Earlier, you said like the top things to go to New York, like you said, you would recommend going to those things at least once. What are those things? Like, is it going to the Statue of Liberty? Like just go experience Times Square? Yeah. um, As much as like Times Square, I (laughs) loathe. Um, you got to see it. Like I've had friends who've come who've never seen it. And they're like, let's just at least drive through, like even just driving through it, like just see it. Um, also I'd say Statue of Liberty is worth it to do once. Also just like, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, all the stuff that's in Midtown, like going to like Radio City, doing like the Empire State Building. Um, I also, I do think the new 9-11 museum and memorial is really well done. And I think that's definitely worth doing. And afterwards you can go to the top. Um, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's at the top of it. And it's an insane view of New York as well. Yeah. Love that idea. Um, glad you said driving because I had a question for transportation. Like, do you just recommend Ubering everywhere? Like we don't use the, it's called the subway, right? Wait, it's not the subway. What is it called? <laughs> it's the subway. <laughs> oh yeah. Subway. Okay. Well, I know that in Bo- in Boston, they call it the T. So I didn't know. Oh, um, yeah. The subway, like we wouldn't, you wouldn't recommend doing that's that. what I use, but oh, okay. I, like, I'm not going to lie. I am so cheap when it comes to transportation. Like I, even like when I was at the top of how much I was making with everything, I would be like the girl, like slumming a suitcase, like down the subway stairs. Cause I'm like, I'm going to pay five dollars versus like a hundred to get to the airport but um right like to be honest now ubers are pretty expensive right now like i took one not even far like i could have walked and it was like forty dollars or something because it was on surge so i recommend walking or subway and then obviously at night like play it safe uber um Mm -hmm. or if it's somewhere far like everything Ubers feel very safe here and they're mostly run by taxi drivers now anyways. Yeah. Gosh, that is one thing I don't miss about going out is like when you would get an Uber and it's, it was surged and you're like, Oh my God. One thing I do miss though is like, I miss like the Uber pools because it, it used to be so cheap to get around New York, like to get anywhere. It was $5 in an Uber pool. And I've like Uh met fun people in there. Like, you know, it's always an experience, but Obviously with COVID, we don't have that. So yeah, I was always too scared to try that. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I never, I never did, but maybe if it comes back, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Is Uber more prominent than Lyft or are they about the same? About the same. Okay. And we also have something called Via here. So that's something, it's just another ride sharing app, but that's what I usually take to and from the airport. Feels like it's the lowest prices. Cool. Are we ready to move into rapid fire? It's rapid fire round. 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 
think we are. Let's do it. Okay. Um, first up, what is the most Instagrammable spot in the city? I think West Village. <laughs> Honestly, just like any of the streets, like there's so much history here and it's just like kind of the quintessential, you know, the um, brownstones, townhomes, the like, it's just tree-lined streets. Like I have a friend that came for the first time to New York from San Diego just a few months ago. And she was like, I never expected it to be this cute. Like they stayed in, they stayed over in East Village, which is an awesome neighborhood too. But um, she was just like, I, I, you know, West Village feels like Europe. So cute. Anywhere. This is a loaded, cause it's probably gonna be a hard question, but the best pizza spot. My favorite is Ruby Rosa, which you kind of just like, it used to be hard to get a reservation for now. I think they do take out, but, um, it's just so good. We had a shoot Stephanie last year sometime and my account manager wanted to get a bunch of pizzas from Ruby, Ruby Rosa's. Yeah. And I had to get like someone from TaskRabbit and I had to have them pick up like 30 pizzas. And like, they were like, how am I supposed to transport these pizzas? And I was like, I don't know. That's what we're paying you for. Figure it out. (laughs) Figure it out. (laughs) Um, What's your favorite NYC event? So I feel like I never really got to experience any events here because I moved November, 2019. So didn't really have a lot of time, but I, it's not an event, but I think just like Christmas time in the city is so magical and I now understand why people travel far and wide to come here just to see everything. What's your favorite coffee shop? So I'm obsessed with mine espresso machine and I think it's the best coffee ever but there is a cafe Kitsun. I don't I don't know if I'm saying that the best French way but there's one in West Village, which I do, I love just because I went there in Paris and it like gives me some of those French vibes, but. Do you speak any other languages? I grew up speaking some Spanish, lost it. And then when I studied abroad, I knew some Italian, but I lost it. And I tried picking it back up in quarantine, but I've had nowhere to practice it. So failing. <laughs> What's your favorite spot to grab wine and cheese? I love, there's two places that I went a lot like over the summer and fall here, which are Bouvet and St. Tropez Wine Bar in West Village. They have two locations, but I love the West Village one. I love both because it's just like, obviously I'm an ambiance person. So especially with all the outdoor dining right now, like it just, you're in the middle of these tree-lined streets and it's amazing. And Bouvet, I think they have another location somewhere I thought was kind of random, like Tokyo or something. But even when I was in Charleston um, last week, I was talking to the manager of a bar there and he was like, oh my gosh, like the cocktail program at Bouvet, but they have great wines, great cheese at both places. Well, I think one of the other girls that we interviewed for New York, I think she said Bouvet too. So, you know, it's good. It's definitely, and it's actually a great place to get brunch too. Now that I think about it. Best season to visit? I'd say fall just because like, it's so magical when the leaves start changing and like the weather's nice. But at the same time, a lot of my favorite memories I'd say would be like late spring, early summer. Like Mm 
summer's hot here, but it's nothing compared to Texas. So I just I, like, I think it feels great, but I feel like May and then like September, October are the best months. Random side question. If you want to go to the pool, is it hard to get to find a pool that you can get into without like a waiting list? Cause I just think of sex in the really? city and Samantha trying to get on that waiting list. That's well, just what I think of every time. So that's the thing too, is pre COVID, like I'm a member of Soho house and pre COVID you couldn't reserve like chairs or anything. So it's funny when I moved into my new apartment, I was like, this is great. Cause I'm like two blocks from Soho house. So I can like wake up early, go at 10, like grab my chairs and then like when friends come, I can like go home and then like get ready or whatever. Yeah. Um, but because of COVID, they changed it so you can reserve. But still, even so even being a member and you're paying how much a year, you still like are not guaranteed you'll even like get in a pool. <laughs> oh my god. <gosh. laughs> so just don't count on going to the pool. Don't go to New York City for yeah. the for the water. Um, favorite rooftop bar. Um I actually do. I love Dumbo House, which is in Dumbo, Brooklyn, just because the views are amazing and it's a huge rooftop. And especially at sunset, it just looks so pretty against the city. Favorite local business? Ooh, um, I have a wine shop that's really close to where I live called MCF Rare Wine. And I love it. I feel I can't remember what year they like they just celebrate like either 10 or 15 years, I got the email, but, um, the thing I like about it is because it's really unique wines. And right now I'm trying to study a lot about wines and eventually I want to take my W set, but it's what I love about it is that there's all these really rare wines and like, he has so much knowledge about them, but they're not expensive. Like his whole idea behind it is like really good wine should be approachable. And like, you don't have to go spend a hundred, two hundred dollars for a good bottle of wine. So I like that because I feel like through his emails and then like through going into the shop, I've learned a lot about wine. Have you, so what, what's the test? The W set, W set, um, wine spirits, whatever ET stands for education (laughs) or something, but it's basically like, there's like, there's two different types of like wine programs. There's that. And then sommelier and like to become a psalm is basically if you're going to be working in a restaurant or in hospitality, it's geared towards that. But a W set is just more geared towards like actually learning about the different regions, the different varietals, like just tangible, good knowledge for you to just know about like the wine world. And for someone who loves wine and because I plan trips in those types of places. I was going to say, have you seen Psalm? It's a documentary on Netflix. I actually haven't. Um, everyone tells me I need to watch it. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I probably should watch that. It's it's so interesting. It's fascinating. Like these these like sommeliers to be um, can like tell you what the soil is. In, yeah. And it's just insane. It's, bizarre. it's like this city and this country, and this is the way the exact year. Yeah. That's insane. What is your favorite wine that like I could like go pick up? Um, grocery store. I really love Italian Nebbiolos, which you would see as like a Barolo, um, anything from the Piedmont region. I also love Brunello, which is a certain type of Sangiovese from Tuscany. 
And then I like, I mean, I love like a Provence rosé. Like mm-hmm. I love a Sancerre. I love like a French white burgundy. I'm like, I really, I love like a very broad um, range of wines. Like I can't think of a lot of wines that I would say like, I hate that type of varietal. Yeah. You're inclusive. You're not exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Not to put you on the spot. Do you have a very good dry Chardonnay? So it's funny. I'm, that is something that I'm starting to explore more because I grew up, like my mom loves like a super oaky, buttery Chardonnay. And I'm just starting to learn more about the French Chardonnays, which I really like. There's a bottle that I pick up from not that, but another wine shop, um, down the street that I don't know what it's called, but it's like kind of my go-to just to have is like, if I'm bringing somewhere, but. Okay. When you remember it, text it to us along with okay. the, the mezcal or the martini yes. recipe. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, before we wrap up, we would love for you to share your number one travel tip with our listeners. So whether it be like a mantra, a book, a podcast, a product, I'm sure you have a, a whole slew of them. Yeah, I have a ton, but I'd say coming from someone who's a huge planner, I think it just to have a balance when you go someplace. So have like, sometimes it's completely saved the trip that I have planned ahead. And I've like have ideas of things to do, but also leaving room for spontaneity. I feel like those have been like the best moments in a trip is just when you know, I have things in my back pocket for us to do, but really we're just kind of like going with it. We're meeting people, we're doing things. I think just having a good balance of planning and not over planning, but then leaving room for spontaneity. Mm -hmm. What about packing? Do you have a tip for packing? (laughs) Uh, I'm learning. I will say I like never really understood packing cubes, but now I love them. Um, And also kind of just sticking to a color scheme has helped. I'm I wear a lot of neutrals, but even like, say I'm going, I don't know, Cape Cod, I like do a lot of like blues and whites, like just kind of sticking with stuff that could really easily pair well together. Very good idea. Yeah. And then do you have a secret tip for booking a flight? Like, do you use a certain website? Uh, When's the right time to book a flight? It told, so right now, especially it totally depends. Like in the past, I would say anywhere from like three months to 21 days out was a good time frame. Like as an average now it's like, I mean, I literally, I'm going to Morocco on Friday and today's Tuesday. And I like just booked my flight. It, and oh wow. the price hasn't changed, you know? So it depends. And then sometimes like I was trying to figure out when I was flying home from San Diego for the holidays and like flights automatically like tripled in one day. So Whenever you're ready, like right now, it's just like, if you see a price that you think looks good, just book it. Okay. Yeah. Question. Have you been, have, have you been tracking that flight to Morocco or was it something like, oh, I forgot to book a flight. I'm going to go check it now. So to be honest, um, I've been waiting as a travel advisor, we can get really good discounts, but, and so I could have gotten like, you know, a very cheap ticket, but I've been waiting for this, like certain card to come in. It's like a travel agent identification card. And I haven't had one since I switched agencies right before the pandemic. So I've been waiting for that to come in the mail and it's just like not coming. So I was like, I just have to book it. (laughs) Oh, I see. 
Gotcha. Um, but super jealous that you're going to Morocco. What the heck? Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) All right. And where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is at passport to Friday and two is with TO and then my website's passport to Friday.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for coming on the podcast today. Katie and I cannot wait to come and visit you. Yes. Um, hopefully soon. Hopefully COVID starts. I mean, up. honestly, the summer and fall in 2020 was actually amazing in New York. It was, you know, all the outdoor dining, lots of picnicking. Um, so I'm hoping this summer and fall will be nice too. Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Cool. And that is a wrap on New York City. If you enjoyed New York City and want more of New York City, don't worry because we have them coming. We have we're we're locked and loaded. We already have one more in the queue, and yep. uh, we're st- we've still got other people we want to reach out to. Mm-hmm. But don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you found any sort of value from this podcast. Tell your friends. Keep that going. Again, only if you found value and found it helpful. Next week, we'll be in our hometown. Well, Stephanie's hometown, Raleigh, North Carolina, where I reside now, uh, with Shanna from What's Up, Raleigh. Raleigh, what's up? And she knows what is up. So... Stay tuned and have a great week. Have a great week. Sayonara. Bye.